Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we have so much Ant-Man feedback. So much, you guys. Lots of Patreon stuff, lots of non-Patreon stuff. And you know what? I just missed you guys. I missed you guys so much. All that reticence I have no control over. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Ashley Coffin. Ashley, the boss Coffin. How you doing? I'm good. Actually, I'm a little... Mm mentally traumatized from all these oscar movies that we've been watching all week yeah right right <laughs> this year was rough and i will say i just blew through the shorts the documentary shorts uh documentary or film shorts international and some of the documentaries and i am not okay yeah no that sounds rough i haven't gotten <laughs> to any of those i'm just doing best picture stuff yeah, and, and that's that, that was enough. Those, those have been bad enough. Uh, we just talked. You were just telling me, but there's a bad movie with a donkey, Eo, a donkey death in it. And I was saying, like, that's so weird. I was going to tell you there are two other. Like, it's weird that two of the best picture nominees have donkey deaths in them. Mm-hmm. So that's three Oscar nominated movies this year with donkey deaths. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was fun because it's like we watched in one day. We watched the whale living and women talking and all three of those are extremely heavy movies we put on eo after that two minutes in i am hysterically crying cried through the entire movie and then for an hour after was still crying like the only thing that was able to pull me out it was the same night that chris rock had his live special on Netflix and we had finished up this long you know all day thing of movies and that was starting within 15 minutes Chris Rock, like, saved my life that night. He pulled me out of it. <laughs> but I was still, like, crying in the shower the next day. Like, Ken's like, do we need to have you committed for a while? Like, do you need to talk? He's like, you're being ridiculous. And I'm like, but no. the don- but it, it, the, well, the movie EO, it follows this donkey in um, Poland. And, I mean, that's oh. all I need to say. <laughs> that sounds Yeah, that sounds terrible. Uh, if it's sad, it sounds terrible. The whole point of the movie is to put awareness on how horrible we are to animals. Like, it's about animal abuse. And I think these stories are important, but for someone like me, I cannot yeah. handle it. I was begging Ken to turn it off. Ugh. I left the room. Like, I actually physically had to leave the room to go cry in the other room during some of the scenes. But we commit, we watch all of them, and he's like, you know, you need to get yourself together. And I was like, well, I need to leave the room. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. Thinking about a full movie, is it a short, you said? Or no, it- this was a full movie. Oh, gosh. Is it documentary or? It's it's up for best um, international film. So oh, it's gosh. not a documentary. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 you telling me that, like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. So there's, there's, I've, that sounds terrible. That's like a slow donkey, like. And he's so cute. Death thing. Yeah, that's terrible. And then there's like another donkey death in one of the movies that's like really just emotionally hits you really sad. I know. And then there's he another so one that's like. Too. <laughs> yeah, there's another one that's like brutally violent. And it's like, that one hits you in a whole different way. It's like, why are there three donkey deaths in the Oscar nominators this nomination this man. year? I don't know. So strange. A lot of donkey death and a lot of barfing. Every yes. single movie up for Best Picture, except for the only one I haven't seen is Avatar, has barfing in it. I don't weird. understand what's going on. <laughs> that is so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah. I feel like, okay. Not to not to judge the uh, judge our our statements against each other. It is weird that they all have barfing because that is a weird thing. But like donkey deaths is just so specific. Like how many oh, movies no, even specific. have donkeys in them? You know what I mean? I think everybody started to realize how cute and how lovable donkeys are, and they're like, I know it's going to really get people going emotionally, <laughs> and it's donkeys. I wonder if there's some uh, you, you know if uh, twenty years ago when they did like. Armageddon and Deep Impact at the same time. Mm-hmm. They were both that those both those movies happened apparently because there was a story in the newspaper that was like on a bunch of like like the New York Times front page about how likely it was for us to hit be hit by a meteor and two writers both like took that story in and then two years later we had these two big budget movies. Yeah. Like and and there were others too. Uh but anyway, like 
just very interesting. Uh, like, yeah, I wonder what happened with donkeys a few years ago that, like, Everybody. suddenly people <laughs> are writing all these donkey movies. Okay. Uh, maybe it was Shrek. I bet it was Shrek. Oh, well, yeah. Inspired all these donkey stories. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about um, this year, this year feedback. We got a bunch of Ant-Man stuff. Um, you know, last week, I think we, we had a big down talking of, of sort of Ant-Man specifically, but like um, sort of the MCU uh, in general and like sort of like the balance that it's setting between the overarching stories and the specific movies. And I started thinking about it and like, I had a conversation with David C. Robertson from DC on screen and Star Trek universe. Um, and we were talking about it and I was like, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, I'm feeling kind of negative right now. Cause I, d- I think Ant-Man, like the balance is off and it makes me feel like the MCU is like in troubled waters and all this stuff. Like, it, like I, the things I was expressing on the show. And then we started talking and I was like, I mean, but I do, I do it's, they've definitely had some great things. And I started going over all the properties from phase four and I just like, kind of turned me around. Like I was like, yeah. Oh, I love Loki. I love mm-hmm. WandaVision. I love Moon Knight. I love, like, I just started going over thing, over thing, over thing. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. There's a few things I don't like, like a few that mm-hmm. I, that aren't my favorite, but there's still so many that I absolutely Werewolf love. Werewolf by Night was great. Werewolf by Night yeah, wonderful. So much. Yeah. And I loved, honestly, I love Thor Love and Thunder. The more I think about it, I, I loved that movie. It was different than what I wanted exactly, but like, I loved it. Yeah, um, and it doesn't like the idea of it feeling like a meal versus feeling like a part of a bigger story. Serialization versus episodic. Um, Thor felt like its own story. Thor: yeah. Love and Thunder like doesn't feel that. Way. It, that isn't the problem with Thor. Thor has it has its issues. I know you wanted it to be much darker, but like, yeah. anyway, I guess like today I'm in a much brighter mood about the MCU in general. Oh, I good. Think. Hey, <laughs> we all have up and down emotions. Yeah. And that's why I'll never have anyone just be like, well, you need to just 100% support everything that the MCU does and never say anything bad. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm doing here. That's not why I joined up to do this. Like, if you can't internally criticize things or see that something wasn't perfect and admit that it wasn't perfect, then you're just kind of lying to yourself and everybody else. And that's not what we do here. Yeah, yeah. We never never want to do that. I always just say, like, we're here to be fans. We're here to enjoy the stuff. But, like... We're not gonna. We're not gonna not be critical when we find yeah. something to be critical of. Um, I'm sure we have some people reacting to our conversation last week. I haven't really read through the feedback yet, but let's see what we got. Um, okay, up first we got uh, one of our patrons, Landon Thompson, says, "Ashley, you are what? like one of my celebrity crushes, and Matt, <laughs> you're cool too." Lol. <laughs> well, thank you, Landon. Thank you, Landon. <laughs> um, I am a little upset that I'm not a celebrity crush. <laughs> I, a celebrity. <laughs> if ever, if anyone thinks I'm your celebrity crush, you let me know. We were talking um, about celebrity grades, and I was like laughing. I was like, you know, you have A list, B list, C list, D list. I'm like, I'm somewhere around maybe like Q. Yeah, we, like we a be, hard Q. We could be a <laughs> could be a hard Q. We could be on the Q list. <laughs> like I'm maybe. not famous for murdering somebody, so that that would be like lower than us. Like when oh, you're yeah, famous like, for that's a good like reason, G or F list. You get, yeah. <laughs> um, we're we're definitely like you know. I, I guess, I guess, I guess the question is how far does, how far down? Cause I feel like we're pretty much the lowest level that you could call even like known. Pe- I mean, there's people yeah. that do like bar trivia that are celebrities that yeah, have yeah. like 15 people that know well, who they TikTok are because they do and bar that, trivia. That stuff now that does, you know, makes it hard. There's just so many. But see, I see those people as like, you guys are like T's or V list celebrities in my book. <laughs> See, this is where the problem comes. I don't know if T and V are before or after Q. Uh, they're, I think they're ones before <laughs> ones after. Q, you R, S, T, U, V. Q is before those. Okay, you made okay. me second guess myself. <laughs> well, no, 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 that was that was my point. I was impressed Great. by how solid you were on it. You were like, they're more like T's or V's, and I was like, okay, now you're you're getting too specific, and I can't in my head think of what's first. But I thought you had. And well, I, was like, I felt okay. like I was until you were like, okay, and I'm like, here we go again. Matt and Ashley explain the goddamn alphabet. <laughs> yep, yep. I think we just need like a supercut of all the really like. Like the the moments where we just don't know something on the podcast, yeah. and I don't mean like don't know something from comics because there's plenty of those, but like just don't know something. I pulled up. <laughs> we were talking about our uh, the holes conversation. Our very famous holes conversation. Our very famous holes conversation. <laughs> that's an A list celebrity in the holes conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's bigger than either of us. That is an a hole. <laughs> <laughs> 
me and my girlfriend were talking about that this week, uh, the whole conversation. And then uh, I pulled up our afternoon conversation from like two years ago. <laughs> do you remember? Do you recall oh, the afternoon conversation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. I was good. like, no, it's, it's definitely 11 in the afternoon, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, it's, uh, I can't do this afternoon. Uh, 1130 is too late. And Jeff's like, that's not the afternoon. And you were like. What what is af- what what constitutes as afternoon? And we both simultaneously said <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I was like, shut up and call me pretty. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, isn't that a TikTok somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I think it's our first TikTok on Stranded Panda. If you go to Stranded Panda at at or at at Stranded Panda on TikTok, it's our very first um, one. We're covering the Mandalorian over on Star Wars, and I had another special moment. I'm like crushing it. I thought that Matthew Fox had said something, 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 sex, Mandalorians, blah, 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 blah. But what he had said was sects, like S-E-C-T's. And I went into this whole, I was like, yeah, you know, we were just talking about, like, if you're a Mandalorian, do you guys have to have sex with your helmet? Like, I went into this whole thing and he just (laughs) let me go. And then at the end was like, that's hilarious. But I didn't say that. I meant sad. I was like, oh, I thought I heard sex. And I always just think about Mandalorian sex. I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> That's fair. And you know what I say about letting you run with that? Letting you just go and bury yourself? This is the way. This is the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we got Nerdy-tastic over on Patreon says, well, I got one of the things off my wish to see list uh, to come true. Uh, all in all, I'm happy. Uh, I'm assuming she's talking about Ant-Man here. Um, I liked the movie and I felt like a return to MCU form. I've been lukewarm on most things post-Endgame, except for an exception like WandaVision or Moon Knight. And since we have Michael Douglas, can we get his IRL wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones, in the MCU? She's been my f- one of my favorites for years. Hmm. I like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, me too. I don't know. Who, who would she be? I don't know. It's funny because the first thing that flashed into my mind is uh, Valentina, but we already have Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I think she would have given given us a really good Valentina, too, but nobody is as good as Julia Louis-Dreyfus, so yeah, for sure. I don't know. I feel like I she know. could be a good villain, like a really yeah. good, like, um, I, don't, I don't know who that would be, but a really good mm. villain. I feel like she, mm. she could pull that off. Um, sweet. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, nerdy-tastic. This is great. Um, up next, we got Chris Hitlet says, when Bruce is explaining clipping the branch reality to the Ancient One by putting the stones back right at the moment it was taken, doesn't that plan get voided by what happens in Loki? Uh, They plan they can't put the Tesseract back that Loki took, and the timeline that they took and the other two stones were taken from was pruned by the TVA when we reset and picked up Loki. I can't get back into this. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this, this is the forever question. We've talked about it a lot. Um, but yes, I and me and Jeff disagree. There, there's there's a whole episode. It's the first episode of Loki, if you want to go listen to it. Go back and listen <laughs> to the first episode of Loki. Um, the, our instant reaction, me and Jeff argue about what it means, like what the timeline clipping means. Um, the way I see it, that entire thing that happened uh, that entire timeline, yes, was clipped by the TVA when when Loki in Loki when the TVA sets off their little pruning device, they clip the timeline that the Avengers left. Other people contend because they say the Avengers were supposed to do that. Why don't mm-hmm. they go after the Avengers? I say that they when they say they're supposed to do that, they're talking about they didn't clip their timeline, which is the six one six universe, not the timeline they created, which was a spinoff timeline. He's saying, like, why didn't you go after them? Sorry, I'm, I'm arguing with someone who's not here. Uh, but no, that's okay. I'm just trying to express me, mine and Jeff's opinions on this. Um, and, and Jeff thinks that that timeline can still exist. I say, there's also this weird thing about, like, in they say that if a timeline diverges, they clip it. But when they show the timelines in Loki, it doesn't look like when they show the sacred timeline in Loki, they don't it doesn't look like a single timeline. It looks like an undulating group of chords, like a bunch mm, of timelines sort of weaving true. against each other. Um, and I, uh, people have people have discussed it different ways. Maybe they only prune timelines that will lead to different Kangs. Maybe all of those timelines kind of converge in some way. Like mm. timelines can have a separate moment. 
but then they can come back together. That's what the uh, the red line means. That's that's the best I can do with all the all the stuff we're given. But in my mind and my understanding of like I guess quantum mechanics in other sci-fi has always been like if you change something, then you inst- institute the butterfly effect. If you change one thing, it automatically changes everything else. Even if you're only changing like the fact that Hulk was there, like there's a building in New York that has a smashed place it didn't before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like that the, the top of the Sanctum Sanctorum being smashed and not being smashed can't both exist. They have to be different realities in my mind. But I guess you could say that it all goes to dust eventually in the 31st century. And like those two universes can somehow merge anyway. X-Men. No, I don't know. <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for your contribution. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, the reason I just talked all through that is Ashley really, really doesn't like to talk about this. No, I, it, it's that's right up there with what we were talking about today. 401ks and infinity. There's just some things that my mind cannot travel down. Yep. Yep. And it is quantum anything. <laughs> or s- space or retirement. I don't want to, I can't yep. do it. I crumble yep. mentally. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was before we started recording. We were talking about uh, retirement funding. And it's like, as independent contractors, mostly, uh, it's tough. Being it's a musician and planning for retirement is, there's just like not lots of options. You kind of yeah. have to I'm just like, do it on I your don't own. need to think about that yet. I'm still a little baby girl. <laughs> I'm still a little baby this girl. little baby girl. Still a little baby girl. Don't even know how many holes I have. I know. Uh, and how do you, I can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know time, apparently. Definitely not going to talk about quantum mechanics. <laughs> okay. Okay. Up next, we get Sean Frank says, OMG, no feedback for the movie. I just came here to say that Matt mansplaining female anatomy to Ashley (laughs) made me stop my job to laugh uncontrollably. Best (laughs) podcast ever. (laughs) Aww. It's funny. You weren't mansplaining. You were just explaining at that point. That's very, that's very, (laughs) because I would have to know what you were talking about to have it be mansplaining. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so. (laughs) Don't I have to already kind of know what it is? Are you mansplaining, mansplaining to me? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny, though. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, glad, no feedback. <laughs> I really am so glad everybody enjoyed it. Uh, like, that was a fun. That was a funny day. Up next, we have Belle uh, writing in. Hey, Ashley and her sidekicks. <laughs> I love where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> writing in from Hastings, England, and you didn't call. You didn't call with the accent. Didn't call. Or didn't send in a voicemail or whatever. Um, after listening to your podcast for about three years, thanks so much for keeping me going. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to say how much I enjoy the new Ant-Man. Despite its harsh ratings, I thought it had a good storyline and interesting characters with good arcs. I do have one problem with it, though. Cassie. Am I the only person that wanted her to be cooler? No, I'm right with her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying she seems a little weak on the character development side, which is a shame since I loved young Cassie and her humor. Oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. ah, that's a really good point. Uh, okay. She didn't hold up. <laughs> ah, that's a really good point. I haven't thought of this. And, she's and she making... loved her dad. So I, that's why I was like, wait, why would you be mad at your dad's Paul Rudd? Be nice to him. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I, we'll get to that. We got it into was, that before. Yeah. Sorry. C- continuing. Um, and her humor, which didn't really carry through the blip. Uh, <laughs> also, she didn't really seem to be phased about anything. I mean, uh, I guess she was raised around it, but if it were her, and she's meant to be my age, 14 or 15, I would be behaving more like Kamala Khan. I mean, Cassie Lang, despite everything, really formally respected her dad. There weren't actually too many jokes at his expense, uh, not even between Cassie and Hope, which were the ones I really wanted. Still, the movie was really good. I mean, I enjoyed it more than most of the other recent Marvel films, as it had consistent storyline at last. Uh, Just would have liked them to try and polish new Cassie 
slightly more. So happy everything in the MCU slash MCM is finally coming together and looking forward to seeing literally everyone from Quantum Mania in future Marvel projects, hopefully even Holy Dude. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on any of this? Uh, love you 300 holes, Bell. <laughs> Thank you, Bell. Thank you so much. Okay. I love the love you 300 holes. Uh, that's really funny. Um, okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought of this before, but yeah, Cassie as a kid is so funny and loves her dad a lot, like you said. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, she just has a ton of personality. And so a little, little less personality to this, this Cassie, which is a bummer. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know, I can't remember, like, being that age. But isn't that the age you start to become a little jerk? 15, 14, yeah, 15? Yeah, yeah. Belle, are you a jerk? Can you tell us? Well, we um, just, one of the the mm. documentaries we had to watch for the Oscars, this guy asked his daughter 10 questions on her birthday every year from 2 to 18. And I'm telling you, when it gets around to 14, 15, you got, like, she's not even looking. She's got her head down. She doesn't give it doesn't want to be there. What do you care about? You know, when she's younger, she's like, mommy and daddy. And now she's like, my phone, my friends, not this. And I'm like, <laughs> it was very funny. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. You got to take age into. Yeah. No, that, that's for sure. And I think like it was trying to show her. She was. I saw a film. The- there's a there's a web uh, web. There's a YouTube video called Film Theories, our YouTube channel. And I I, I, I I'll say other stuff. I try not to listen to any of that stuff before we talk, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But now that's been a few weeks, I've watched a few other takes on this movie. And one of the takes uh, that I saw, and I can't get it out of my head now, was that ca- the original script was supposed to be a lot more resistance from her dad. Like, he was supposed to be a lot more resistant to the idea of helping the rebels. Oh, uh, okay. Instead of Kang being, like, and, and you know, it's, it's funny. We had this idea on the podcast, so it makes me, it makes me think this, this might be the case even more, uh, was that, like, Scott would actually be tricked by Kang. Yeah. And the fact that, like, they don't reveal his name. They don't reveal, like, uh, her touching the ship and realizing he's the conqueror, all that stuff. Like... That all doesn't happen until so late in the film. There's a bunch of speculation that, like, in the beginning, she wanted to help the rebels, and she saw the like sort of uh, inequity and the like oppression that was happening. And Scott was like, "No, no, 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 no. It's fine. Th- this guy's not a bad guy. He's just trying to do whatever. He's just the boss here, or whatever." And he goes over and tries to help Kang out of like. Instead of being like threatened into helping, he helps out of like the goodness of his heart, or like trying to help. So yeah. yes, he makes a deal with Kang, because um, like at the end, and, and the the big evidence they have for it is at the end of the movie. He runs and says, "We had a deal. Our word is our bond." When he's big and he's running into the thing, yeah. I'm like, did they really ever have a deal? Yes, they did technically, but it was like a deal born of him threatening to kill Cassie instead of like some sort of like deal they made. You know? Yeah. It just feels like this, this, and I, and I've been saying this, uh, I've been saying something like that before the movie came out, that that was what I thought was going to happen. But after, after that film theory, I'm like, yeah, the, the, the film theory on Ant-Man, it's just like the idea is that like Cassie would have had a lot more, like been the heart of the film kind of like, she's like actually trying to convince her dad the whole time. Like, no, we do not need to help this guy. We need to help the rebels. And for whatever reason that, and then he gets actually tricked into helping Kang and then that's when the information is like given to them. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, because in, in the in the current story that we have, it's just like they get down there, and immediately Scott's like, "Yeah, the rebels." The, the whole it's all set up for her to want to help people and him to be like self involved. Mm-hmm. And then they get down there, and she's like, "Dad, be less self involved." And he's like, "You're right. We should help the rebels." And that's the end of that whole plot line. Yeah, was, they just drop it. Um, and the whole beginning is about that. And it seems like that's what the movie was going to be about: is him like not seeing the oppression, and then her, like the younger generation, which also leads. And then the idea that film theories has, but then then they get trapped down there, and she's up there at the top, and it sort of begins to see it phase five with this like the younger Avengers seeing problems the older Avengers don't even see, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. It, it, was, it was an interesting film. The film theory was interesting, but I do think that there's some, there's just some missing things from Cassie. The Cassie storyline seems like it was cut short and she was given less to do. Because I love the idea of her being sort of like 
social justice e and trying yeah. to help people. I thought they were going to go into more of it being like he was just overly protective of everything that she was doing because of everything that had happened. But it just turned out that she was doing everything. She had her own suit. They had their own secret stuff that they were working on and he didn't know any of it. Plus she was going out and doing, you know, getting arrested for the good, you know, the good work. And it's like, well, what's, what's been going on? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I just think that, I think there was just more on the table for her one way or the other. I don't know that like, you know, Either of our ideas is like how it would have gone down. It may have been a third thing, but it just seems like what was on the screen wasn't what was originally there or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. But thank you, Bill, for writing it in. Uh, it, I don't. I don't want more reasons to dislike this movie. I've been planning to go back because I really enjoyed it after getting out of the theater. <laughs> but then the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it feels empty. Like it feels like an enjoyable movie that feels empty. Well, you know, it's funny. We just watched Ken has been home because of Dish Network thing. And uh, he watched Loki. And when I got home the other day, he was on the last episode. And I was like, oh, I'll leave this on. I want to. I haven't watched this in a long time. And God, that Kang is just so much more. <laughs> yeah, I loved He Who Remains so much. And I'm like, I feel like we might not ever see him again. And just the energy that he had. I liked that Kang better. <laughs> oh, completely. Completely agree. He was more um, threatening, even while not being threatening. Like, I don't know. There was just everything that he was doing was was A-OK with me. And then I was like, maybe that's why I was, maybe that just was, I expected, I don't know. I don't know what I expected. More? Yeah, I expected more too. And I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just wanted more internal, like, growth and struggle and character development inside the movie itself. It still just feels, it just feels like they... They whatever changes they made took out some of the heart of the movie somehow. Yeah, we'll see. Mm. Um, we'll see what goes forward. Thanks, Bill. Up next, we got Hera JK writing in says, uh, "Hello, Grand Panda Birthday Quinky, Quinky, What's Birthday Twinkie, <laughs> Birthday Twinkie, and all hail the Supreme Leader." Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, couldn't wait to see this movie so that I could weigh in. First of all. I have holes and drink the ooze. <laughs> uh, can't wait for the memes to start on that one. Uh, I thought this movie was fun, cute, and very reminiscent of Star Wars. Uh, you got your Re- Rebel Rebellion, <laughs> um, dark antagonist with a mask who can choke from afar. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, the created empire of lookalike soldiers. Um, I almost expected to hear the bar scene music uh, from Tatooine. I mean, they were pretty close in that cantina. <laughs> yeah, very no, that, close. They, were, they definitely had a cantina scene. You know, it was definitely there. Um, and and like, I forget what was playing, but there was definitely a band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where then the the big that's monster. Where Bill appears. Murray came from. Yeah. He showed yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I loved the ants that came in the end. Um, are we going to have a conversation about Krylar and Janet? <laughs> and uh, will we see Krylar again? I mean, clearly Hank wins, uh, but I'd like more of that story. <laughs> oh, we all want to see more of Bill Murray getting sexy. Uh, <laughs> right? No? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Come on, like a young Bill Murray? No, yeah, not sexy. Yeah, de-age them. Make it all digital and weird. Yeah. <laughs> Make it all digital and weird. I need some Uncanny Valley Nookie. That's what I need to see on screen. Um, <laughs> it's just going to end up like the eternal scene, and we're all going to regret it. Yeah, really, really confuse my brain, please. Um, this is hot, or is this gross? I don't this know. Is, I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you guys. I miss Luis. But if you think about it, I think they were trying to adapt Scott's inner monologue to replace that element. Uh, my headcanon is that the security business was no longer a priority after the blip. Uh, if you got blipped, then it would be harder for ex-cons to reestablish a business in the new world trying to write itself. Especially if their homie Scott is away writing books and doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Or, if they didn't get blipped, uh, they made it over to Mad- Madripoor. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many more thoughts to be had about this show. Uh, thanks for all you guys do. 
Love you guys, 3000. Hera JK. Thank you, Hera. Yeah. I mean, I've missed the Louis and the guys being there. Sure, they're funny in the other ones, but do I think that's like essential to the story that we're telling now? I, I don't know. I don't know where their place would be in this specific movie. So I really wasn't too upset to not have it because there was already so much going on. Yeah. There's just, I feel like it could have been a two minute scene that could have really worked. But like, I wonder why he wasn't in the movie. Like maybe they gave him a small role because there's no reason to bring Luis down to the quantum realm. I agree. Mm-hmm. There's not like a place to fit him. And it's possible that the actor was just like, I don't want to come for one scene, you know, like yeah. either, either have me in the movie or don't like, I don't want to be just like the ornament on the movie, but it is, it's just, you know, it's that trilogy thing where you look at the three movies together and you're like, clearly he's a big part of the story and now he's just gone. Yeah. I wonder if I got cut. Or who knows? Yeah, well, you know, we're talking about all these changes. What if he was in an original version that, like, had had more to it? Like, that, that, that accentuated part of the story that was cut, and they just had to cut his story, his mm. part because of that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm Never mean, I, know. I missed him for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to the X-Cons, though. I want them all. I would like them all. I'd like to see them all. Uh <laughs> I haven't seen many, nearly as many memes for Drink the Ooze, but I loved that scene. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Hera. Uh, next, we got Todd Fitzhugh uh, to Matt, Jeff, and Ashley. Just wanted to drop you a quick Quantum Mania feedback. I went and watched it Friday night and came out of the cinema very happy indeed. I see a lot of critics have panned it, uh, but to me, it was another solid film to add to the MCU roster. Any film that starts with Jimmy Woo and ends with Loki gets my vote immediately. Mm-hmm. The quantum realm looked beautiful, and some of the characters there were amazing. I definitely want to revisit it and them in the future. I thought the performances of Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors in particular were brilliant. I didn't expect Corey Stoll as Modoc uh, to be the comic relief of the movie, but even just his big face was cracking me up. And his death scene was hilarious. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> yeah. I love the, i just glad I died in Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> sure you did, buddy. Best line in the movie. Question. Are you guys okay with the big bad of Phase 5 slash 6 potentially being various variants of Kang, or would you rather have one lineal version? Keep up the good work, Todd. P.S. Thanos is definitely winning 1-0. to o. In the villain comparison game, my guy would have never had his army wiped out by a bunch of ants. <laughs> <laughs> Possible. Um, honestly, if it was the, it's hard that question about would we rather have one Kang versus a bunch of variants? Because if it was Ant Man's Kang, I'll take the bunch of variants. But if it was He Who Remains Kang, give me him all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the idea is definitely that they're planning to do. A bunch of versions, variants. So I don't really think we really have a choice. I mean, the movie that we know is coming is called The Kang Dynasty, which is like, this movie I think was supposed to reveal, like, this is a version of Kang, but he's not the only one. Like, we got so many, and they're all working together, and that's the real threat, I think, is the yeah. Kang Dynasty. And eventually it's going to be, you know, all of them facing off with our heroes somehow. And I think, like, what I find really interesting is the conversation at the end between the three of them. Because I think we will eventually get to know not just one Kang that will persist over movies, but we might get to know various members of the council. You know what I mean? So, like, oh, yeah. how cool would it be to see Jonathan Majors having these conversations with himself, and one of them is trying to betray the others, and one of them wants to, what, they have differences of opinions, and them trying to struggle to work together, even though we know that all kind of falls apart, according to He Who Remains. Mm. Yeah, and then they might have to go get this Kang back, and I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. To say the least. What a feat. I think it's got really big potential for being amazing. I really, mm-hmm. really do. Really, really do. I guess I lean towards wanting the uh, the council. I mean, I know. I think I know that's what we're getting, so I don't think we really have a choice. But um, if I had to choose, I, I like the idea of having consecutive characters. So I guess the version that I want is what I was just talking about, where like I want the council. I want to see what Jonathan Majors can bring us with so many different versions. But I want, I don't want every time we get a Kang for it to be a new Kang. So I'd like mm. to see us get to know a few of those versions and let them, um, 
you've seen everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you guys haven't, you should. It's a movie where there's variants of different characters in the multiverse, but throughout the movie, yes, there's one that's like the focus, but each one of them has a story arc. That's what I want out of this. I want like a full phase two phases of the MCU where different Kangs start being weaved in and out. And we talked about it with this one, like this might just be the beginning of this Kang story. They might come and get the conqueror back, which is right. Which that's what I'm talking about. I guess I want them to keep having adventures where we meet a Kang. Maybe they do defeat him, but he's still, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. And as for Thanos versus Kang, I'm sorry, but it seems like Kang's a little more inevitable, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he thought he was inevitable, but come on. Come, come on. on. Up next, we have a feedback from SG. Um, she wrote in a feedback from one of her patrons, but I moved it to the end because it was kind of long. Sometimes they're so long we can't read them, but this one was right on the edge, but it addressed a lot of things from our conversation last week about Ant-Man, so I thought it was worth including. Hi, friends. Really do feel like friends to me. When I listen to your podcast, I have a full conversa- full-on conversations with you about the material, even though you can't hear me. Uh, I'm a longtime listener and finally decided to send in the convo I had with you last night. <laughs> I love that. that. By the way, SG, that is exactly how I used to experience podcasting. Like That's why I started podcasting, because I would do that at the podcasts. And finally, I was like, I just need to start one, because I'm just always talking at these people. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to start by saying Ashley is always right about everything ever. <laughs> Let me guess. The next word is accept. <laughs> the only exception. Shocking. Not the, not the next word. The only exception being her ranking Loki and Sylvie as one of her top couples. They freak me out. <laughs> I was shocked Wanda and Vision weren't on the list. Well, that's shocking. What an unhealthy relationship Wanda and Vision had. <laughs> I mean, what's a what, what? I see one working out and one not. And of all the things, like that was watching it again. Like, of course, Loki would actually fall in love with a version of himself because nothing 100%. else makes sense. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah. Uh. I and as for as for that, let me let me say. I think that Wanda and Vision is one of the best like love stories we've seen in the MCU. Um. I just I don't know why they didn't make anybody's list. My list was just like the people that did make it. I think I just like thought they had a stronger relationship that like had a better impact on their lives. And that's why I said at the beginning that this is going to be very subjective. Oh, for sure. It all depends on how you view relationships and stuff. Continue. Any, any of our favorites are going to be that way. Any of those lists are always going to be that way. Um, but yeah, I do think that Wand and Vision is a great story, but them as a couple, I don't know. They're, they're, it's very sweet to watch, but it doesn't seem like they had the best impact on each other in the end. No, it sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back back over here to SG's feedback. Uh, thanks for always advocating for Mom, because it's truly one of the best movies ever, and Scarlet Witch is a baddie, <laughs> uh, and I support women's wrongs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> Believe women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I can totally see Matt's point about the tone of this movie, but I slightly disagree. I think it's clear that Scott's purpose in this is still to protect Cassie at all costs. Uh, more than that, though, I think it's about Scott coming to accept and understand this more grown and mature version of his daughter. Remember, he hasn't really connected or been with her since she was little. At the beginning of the movie, we see Scott struggling with Cassie's actions. Dinner scene about jail slash protesting and telling her they can't help the Quantum Realm rebels. By the end of the movie, Scott is leading the fight uh, to help free the rebels and is so clearly proud of the woman uh, Cassie is becoming. Seeing Scott struggle to relate to his to and understand his teen daughter and slowly beginning to make an effort to get to know who she is now is beautiful to see. It's, it's really funny she, she brings this up. This is exactly what I was talking about. And I think I agree with her that that is what that, that is the story they were trying to tell, but it seems like it is not the story they stuck with. It's like the story they were telling for the first half and then it sort of just like 
that oh that's all over now he's just fully on board you know um and i don't know why they did that i don't know if like i the only thing i can think is that maybe kang didn't feel threatening enough like they wanted this kang to be a bad guy they mm-hmm. wanted him to be the conqueror and instead it seemed like a two like i don't know maybe that's it i don't know maybe yeah dad stuff i don't know <laughs> i feel like every dad struggles to relate to their teenage daughter whether they're with them or not so but i nah, don't have a father and no children so i don't know how that goes <laughs> yeah for sure for sure yeah, i think generally it's more it's a slower process you know like you like and this is me also not being a dad but like you have a, that slow process of learning who they are but with him it's just like oh i skipped six, i skipped five years you know it's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm really having to catch up a little remedial cassie oh yeah he's taking um oh uh, she continues uh I am a knowledge nerd. I want to know everything about everything right now. So I absolutely understand why Matt is so frustrated that we're finally introduced to quantum realm like this. But I also don't think it's absolutely necessary to the plot that we know that much yet. I agree that this movie gave off strong Star Wars vibes. And with that being said, I think it's important to note that in Star Wars, We get thrown tons of planets and species all the time with little to no background information on them immediately. Uh, I think Marvel is trying to slow burn us into the quantum realm, and while I absolutely want to know everything there is to know uh, about it right now, I think not knowing uh, will let us be pleasantly surprised by things in the future. But I 100% agree that part of the reason... Uh, they were super vague about the quantum realm was so that they can expand ideas with it in the future without having set rules for themselves so early in the game. Yeah, that's definitely true. In regards to the actual inhabitants of the quantum realm, I totally agree that it was a, ha- a little hard to care about them uh, or their fight fully without really getting to know them. Uh, I think getting at least one of the characters' backstories about their fights, such motivation, etc., would have made me root for them even more. Not that I wasn't rooting for them, obviously. I, too, gave barely any thought to Laserhead's death, uh, as I really didn't care about him. Plus, uh, the only information we really got on him throughout the movie was that he always wanted to resort to violence slash fight things so when he died i just didn't have any empathy for his character holes would have been a better character to kill off but thank god that didn't happen because i'm fully obsessed with holes um, uh, i think the perfect example uh, of using a character's death to make us actually care about the story is phil colson a more you know what's one. funny? I have to stop you right there. Yeah. Do you see how quickly we all kind of forgave Loki for that? It's like the one, like the, a big death that matters, but it, it was Loki, and I don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. None of, us, <laughs> none of us are really that bothered by like what he did. Coulson! <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad guy. It's like his role, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um. A more recent one would be Shang-Chi, where they also introduced a brand new world with new characters. Uh, They did it wonderfully, and we actually cared when the cute little old man who helped Katie with the bow and arrow died. Speak for yourself. What's all this putting this on me? That's not true. I did not care about any of those people. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I definitely cared about them in the moment, but they don't stick with me right now. It's kind of the same, yeah. Partially because we didn't know them before or since that movie. Yeah. You know? It's not all um, these wees. We should make these eyes. <laughs> but I, th- I think in the moment we care. I think they, they did a good job of making us care I, about all those Until you just mentioned it, I'm like, who? Right. I just don't think they stick. But I think like in the moment, I think those, they did, Chunk, she just did, in general, did a good job of characterization and like uh, making me care about all the people. Like I, I really cared about Win Wu. Uh, and when Wu's sacrifice for his son, you know, mm-hmm. that was a great scene. He's like a ma- the main. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he was kind of, yeah, he's like the villain of the piece in many ways. But- it was even in Mom, like when Scarlet Witch had all those people and she's like, if you don't tell me where the Darkhold, you know, is this, the original, I'm going to kill all these people. And it's like, honestly, Wong, who cares? It's like six people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when when Wong does that, it's it's like, no, don't do that, Wong. You go. Yeah, I mean, 
you got to get away from this whole, you know, we don't trade lives thing. If yeah. you see how bad of advice that's been throughout most of the Infinity Saga, <laughs> Infinity War. Um, <laughs> Haven't we learned our lesson, Wongers? No. No. Um, as Jay continues, the ending of this movie completely destroyed the high stakes that were set up during it. It would have been much better for Scott and Hope to be trapped in the quantum realm for many years. Honestly, even if the mid or post credit scene would have been Cassie fixing the portal door so that we know they will be saved relatively soon, it would, ha- would have lent the movie higher stakes. Personally, I would have loved if a portal door opened and it wasn't Cassie, but instead Doctor Strange, who we last saw hopping through a portal door, another way the movie could have ended with higher stakes is if Scott was in the restaurant, another Kang variant walked by and was their waiter or something. Ooh, I totally kept expecting that to happen when I was watching it. P.S. I agree that Cassie felt a kind of surface level in this movie, and I never really connected with her character. Love you guys in every universe. SG. Okay. SG said a lot of things. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, which part? <laughs> That's what we're asking you. No, um, I think she's saying a lot of the things that we've been saying. We've kind of said this, yeah, the whole time, yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's saying them a little differently, but like, yeah, a lot of the stuff we we agree basically. Like, I just think she a lot of stuff she's saying is further evidence um, that like I think they just changed some things, and it does worry me. It really does, and I and I and I say all this out of love for Marvel, but it feels like they had some studio interference in this one that did not work out. Yeah. Now, I trust Marvel, and I think that if they made certain decisions, sometimes there's a reason. Um, it's kind of like, a lot of people complain about the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that it like, took too long to set up, or like it was like waiting around, but it led to turn, 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 and that's like one of the best episodes of TV. Like, I love that. I love that uh, end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so, uh, like, sometimes they do these things that, like, okay, but it's a, it's, it's a Marvel movie in theaters. Like, you gotta <laughs> give it, I don't know, you gotta, this is the thing we all wait on all year, you know? Like, right. you gotta make this thing count. And it feels a little like they did something to change it that made it not as good. And that's Would you have liked this if it was more like a six-episode series versus a movie? <sighs> I mean, since we're saying like it's like a lot of stuff we didn't get, a lot of new characters that needed to get like introduced to care about them or whatever you want to do. Maybe, maybe I would have probably liked if like we and we may still get something like this. I would love it if we got like a six episode miniseries about the quantum realm and the rebels. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we get a backstory. Maybe we get what happened after. That can be three episodes. Just <laughs> please. <laughs> it feels so ubiquitous. Certain people are saying things like Cassie felt. Uh, not flushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, the rebels felt not flushed out. The ending almost like because I mean we both we all expected that they were going to get stuck there. Hope yeah. and it was like huge that hope went back and stayed with him. Yeah, like that's a and huge then, moment, and then it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like what? What in the world? Like, and and I love SG's idea of the portal opening and someone else being there is great. What if the portal opened and it was like a K- different Kang? Kang? Yeah, like yeah, that's Kang is what there. I was. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that I can too. always deal with Doctor Strange, but we we need to keep Doctor Strange in the back pocket because he's too you know OP right now, and he's gonna be what gets us out. I'm sure of a lot of later Kang problems, so we can't overuse him right now. Yeah, I think it's probably true. Or what if it would have been Loki who stepped out? I would have loved that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, see, and that's the thing where like. The audience who hasn't seen the show Loki wouldn't know what's going on, mm-hmm. but putting it in a post credit sequence is almost like an ad for the show of Loki. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like oh yeah, like yeah. oh oh they're 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 tying that show in. I better go watch Loki, but it doesn't reveal too much. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just reveals that Kang might exist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it, and and so that was kind of genius. Like I, I, but like if you put him at the very end, it's like. Oh, how is Loki there? What in the world is going on? Like it, it looks like it's 1899. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at least I think sometimes putting things like that in the post-credit sequence versus actually putting them in the movie allow you to go like, oh, well, that's just a thing that I don't understand. But the meat of the movie is the same. Like the same. Yeah. I always think that post-credit scenes are the best way for them to tie things to the greater MCU if they're not like important to the story. Um, 
but yeah. Anyway, thanks, SG. Uh, a lot of those were just sort of like pushbacks on things we were talking about last week, so I thought it was uh, definitely worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, um, thank you. And yeah, uh, we're going to shut it down for today. We got uh, a lot more Ant-Man feedback still in the hopper. We're going to try to get to as much as we can, um, and we hope you guys are having a good week. And we're going to be back in a couple days with something else. Uh, I actually don't even know what we're going to be recording this through the rest of this week. i got to talk to Jeff. Um, but... We're going to be getting probably, probably honestly, we'll probably do more Ant-Man feedback because we've got so much. Of we it. have so much. Yeah. I keep hearing rumors. There might be a, a trailer soon or something. Um, For Loki? Really, yeah. I mean, Better be that. a Monday. <laughs> I'm hope I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, we, we'll hopefully be on a, getting some trailers and some release dates soon because I know Marvel's talking about slowing down, but I am, I'm feeling the lack right now. Yeah. Well, I did, they, they can slow down on all future projects, but the ones that you've already d- like Loki is obviously not going anywhere. It's time to just like, let's just let us know. Like, just let us know when yeah. I need to look forward to something. Yeah. Like the fact that we don't, we have a trailer for guardians. That's it. You know, and yeah. we should be getting a secret invasion. Uh, we have secret invasion trailer too. I'm, I'm sorry. A secret invasion and, uh, and guardians, but we also, or I've heard there's a, what if trailer coming soon. I've heard mm. there's a Loki trailer coming soon. I've also heard they're already getting toys for some of these shows that like, I heard what if toys are already showing up and like, they being need shipped. to stop doing that. Well, yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, like, are, is it about to happen? We're starting to see toy leaks for what if, like, does that mean that the show is about to drop and we just don't even have a release date yet? Come on, Marvel. <laughs> keep us abreast <laughs> of the situation. They got to pay, you know, business daddy first. Gotta pay business daddy. Business daddy. All right, guys. We'll be back soon. We're going to talk to you in a few, uh, you know, just, just just a couple days. By the way, I'm trying to keep a schedule. The thing is we're going to drop on Tuesday and Thursday this week. One of the things we got back on the survey when we sent it out to our patrons was a lot of people actually really wanted us to keep to a steady schedule, which we've never done. And it's not never been a thing that was important to me. But after getting the surveys back, I was like, oh, that's a thing you guys care about. So my goal in the coming months is we're going to try to nail down a Monday, Wednesday release schedule, like every Monday and Wednesday at like 7 a.m. So you'll know you're getting an MCU cast those days. And then the weeks we have content, we'll have something on Thursday or Friday as well. So it'll be like Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday. And then content weeks, we have extra things. We might have extra things other times too, but like, and we're definitely going to have stuff on the Patreon extra yeah. times. But and things happen. So if we mess up a week, don't come for us because I'll come yeah. right back for you. <laughs> we, we can't, you know, that. well, the, the, the thing about that is the more <laughs> you guys support the show, the more consistent we can be. So if you like the show and you like the idea of Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, keeping it coming, uh, go to patreon.com slash mcucast, support, get the Patreon exclusives. We also have a link on our website on straightupanda.com. If you go to... Um, MCU cast, you can click on and see all of the Patreon exclusive episodes right there, uh, which we've just started doing these monthly previous to this. We did comics talks, um, which we have five or six of those up. Um, but now we're going to be doing monthly Patreon exclusives as well as Patreon exclusive hangouts and all that kind of stuff. So go to patreon.com slash MCU cast and throw some support our way. We would really appreciate it. And we'll yeah. be back soon. Be our business daddy. Be our business daddy. You can be <laughs> our business daddy. I will sign. I will send everybody a card. Who's on Patreon and just to say thank you, business daddy, if we hit a certain number. <laughs> please, please. You should be like a like a Christmas card of Ashley. Yeah. Wearing the X-Men shirt I'm wearing now. Yeah. Thank you, business daddy. Hey, business daddy. All right. We'll be back soon, guys. Peace. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. <laughs> thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. A big shout out to our brand new first ever Illuminati tier patron, Walter Kreisky III. Thank you, sir. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv.